0: The following audio content is a talk given at The Inn, a college ministry of University Presbyterian Church in Seattle, Washington. For more information, please visit our website, theinnseattle.org. We invite you to join us each Tuesday at 9 p.m. on the corner of 16th and 47th in Seattle's U District. Welcome to The Inn. For those that are here uh, for the first time tonight, maybe some parents that are here for the first time tonight, Welcome. Uh, We're excited that you're here. Deputation announcement night. What a night. Mm. Uh, My name is Mike McAvoy, for those that don't know me. I'm on staff here, and I went on deputation in 2005, 2006. I didn't technically go on deputation, but I went to Mexico for over a month during the summer. Over half the time was spent doing something productive. The other half was on the beach. But it's all deputation, something like that. No one ever gives me credit for deputation. Uh, it was a great month in Mexico. Um, anyways, tonight, tonight what we're talking about is relationships. We're continuing the series that we've been going through a few weeks now on relationships. Yeah, in a relationship. What does a committed relationship look like? I'm excited you came out. I know the Inn is a great place for relationships. I used to come here as a college student, always looking for a possible relationship. I'd always have a couple people after the Inn that you can't leave until you talk to them. I'm sure most of you know what I'm talking about. Uh but as we continue tonight, Ryan, uh Ryan and Julie started uh two weeks ago looking at dating, what dating was like uh for them and how that's played in uh to their marriage. And then last week Amber Sand uh shared with us about friendship and how important friendship is. And and, and friendships are, are so good. And when you get into a good a, a serious relationship, don't abandon your friends. Everybody still needs friends. They play a very valuable role uh for you, even as you enter a committed relationship. Tonight we continue that. And we're going to look at this idea of contentment tonight in relation. What does contentment look like? It's funny that they had me speak about contentment. People, oh, what was that, a chuckle? <laughs> no, that's okay. If you know me, you'd laugh too. Uh, I'm 28, not married, and I've been through more relationships than probably anybody in here. Just because, uh... uh commitment is tough uh even that idea of contentment what does it look like when the relationship isn't exciting and new and fresh and what happens after you get through a few months of excitement and things just kind of get in a rhythm that contentment that just kind of that peace does that look like so for me to speak on contentment it's kind of a weird thing to be honest but i will say i am currently dating thank you thank you uh her name's rachel she's sitting in the back uh yeah, she's back there. She's sick tonight, but she still is out. Great support. Give her a round of applause. Rachel, everyone. Feel free to talk to her after the end. She's great. Um, and, and, you know, we've been dating over seven months now. Things are going really well uh, between us. I'm excited about this relationship. It's uh, been one of my longer relationships, for sure. Uh, but before this, I was I may have been what you would call a classic three and out guy. Okay, three months and I'm out. Okay, the excitement's there, I'm, I'm pumped, it's fun, it's new, you get, you know, you get the chase, and then, uh once they're won over, where's the fun? And, and so I get out, and this has been going on as long as I can remember. My first girlfriend in high school, okay, it, it happened, and I remember high school, I loved high school because of high school dances. This was my way of asking girls out. I had no idea how to ask a girl out. No one ever taught me this. This... Yeah. All right, hold it one second. Oh, you were too early on that picture. Um, no, that's that's perfect. We'll go with that. This is my first high school dance, homecoming, fall freshman year, and this was always my plan to get into a relationship: ask a girl to a dance because every girl wants to go to a dance, they get to dress up, go dancing, and then they're all excited when they're there. You're like, we should keep doing this, and that was my way of asking girls out, and it would last for a few months, and then things would fizzle out, uh, and then a new thing would come, and so I'm just going to actually walk you through my high school experience. This is three months at a time of my life. Me and a girl named Devin. First girl I ever dated. Few months, but then that didn't end. And uh, we went on to the winter dance that year. And there's another girl uh, named Sarah. Anyways, we'll keep going through them. Dated a few months, kept going. Look at that smile. Oh, there's me again. This was sophomore year, a girl named Ellen. Great, nice young lady. Uh, dated a, a couple months, moved on. Girl named Michelle. Same thing. Keep going. It keeps going. Girl named Nellie. Okay, three months, kept moving on. Next. Uh, I don't know. Keep moving. Girl in America dated a while, moved on. Oh, this is junior prom. Junior, how fun is junior prom? Uh, Oh, and then there's senior year. We can move to senior year. Real quick thing, okay, this was every girl was about three months, and, and then we move on, or a little bit less, or a little bit more. And the funny thing is, I was looking back over these, and these first ones were about 14 years ago, you know, 13, 14 years ago when I was a freshman in high school. And the main thing I noticed when I looked through these, okay, so show all these at once. This is kind of weird. I'm wearing the exact same pair of pants in every high school dance photo. Could my mom not take me out to buy pants more than once? The funny thing is, I couldn't keep a girl for more than three months, but I had these pants for four years. <laughs> I think I'm even wearing the same shirt in multiple pictures. Oh, my gosh. Anyways, this was high school. Uh, that's enough about that, but that pattern has continued. It's, it's gone on like that uh, for a while. And this idea of contentment in relationship is, is definitely uh, a new one for me because I've never really known how to... How to interact after a few months? After the excitement wears off, I think this idea of contentment is a pretty uh, mature concept, and I don't know if we really get it in college. In fact, I don't know how much importance we play, how much importance we place on contentment, on commitment, whether in relationships or otherwise, because contentment is all about being satisfied with what we have, and I think we're in to make we're more into making sure that life is exciting and new. Right now, and we're told that if something isn't easy and immediately fulfilling, we should get out of it and find something that is. If it's too hard, find something new. If you don't like your job, get a new one. If you don't do good in the class, change your major. When you're a kid, it's like, oh, you're not a good at sport. Just quit halfway through the year. We'll get you into something else right away. You know, we'll find something. If it's too hard, don't stick it out. We'll find something that's easy that we can do. I don't even think these words commitment, contentment are words of value for us. And this has been a big change, I believe, in our society in the last 40 years. In fact, when I look back 40 years, when people, when your parents, maybe maybe more than your parents, but about 40 years ago when people graduated from college, what they did is is most people, in fact, I made a graph actually of what it looks like. Okay, 94% of people 40 years ago got out of college and got right into a career, started uh, working for a family, paying off student loans, bought a house, and maybe changed professions once during their life. That was kind of the way that it worked. And then um, I made another graph of what's going to happen to you after college. And this is not based on any real research or biblical knowledge one bit. It's actually based on personal assumptions. So (laughs) pay attention because this is really important. Um, Here's what's going to happen. That number, 94%, has now dropped to 3% of you will get out of college and immediately get into the career that's going to be your career for the rest of your life. It's much more likely that you're going to do one of five other things. In fact, uh, thir- oh, 26% of you are going to go to grad school after college. That's great. There's nothing wrong with grad school. We need grad school. Okay? That's great. 26% of you will be happy. 33% of the people in this room are going to take an internship for a year or less in a field that you are interested in going into. You're not sure? I want to take an internship. We'll figure it out. What else? 18% of you are going to travel around Europe. Oh, I'm going to take a year off. I'm going to travel around Europe. That's great, I'm excited for you. Not me, it's not for me, I'd never go to Europe, but some of you will. One out of five people in this room will, so get ready. Uh, Okay, 14% of you are gonna, we have some cheers, maybe you already have. Uh, 14% of you are gonna move home with your parents, uh, play a lot of video games, and quote unquote, save money for a while. Okay, and, and, then, and then there's going to be another 6% of you that are either going to try out for Survivor, uh, American Idol, or The Bachelor. And you're going to hope that you're going to win a million dollars, you're going to find fame, or you're going to meet the love of your life. Do we have anyone here that's going to try out for The Bachelor? I guarantee you someone... By the way, who are you guys pulling for? Blonde girl? Who are you going for? Seattle girl? I'll be honest, I'm kind of hoping for a comeback. I'm uh, kind of hoping. (laughs) Yeah, that's right, I've seen over two episodes of The Bachelor. My girlfriend at her house, they watch it all the time. I kind of got hooked. Um, That's really sad. Okay, here's what's sad about, I'm just gonna say this. I'm not a hater of The Bachelor. I loved that one episode where Crazy Girl is like, is it me or am I just crazy? And everyone, everyone I was watching was like, yes, you are crazy. Anyways, what I don't get is, of course, they're going to fall in love. They're going on the most romantic things in the whole world. And I love how the girls are always like, oh, Brad plans the most romantic dates in the whole world. Ladies, Brad does not plan a single one of these dates. (laughs) There we go. I erred. Okay, I'm fine. Okay, back to reality. All these options, these post-college options, are they bad options? No. None of them are. And I'm not saying we need to get out of college and and get into our, our career right away. I like those options. I'm, I'm in the same boat. I like the idea of traveling. I like the idea of getting more education. I like working multiple professions. I like all those things. And commitment to a career is a little scary because we're not sure what's going to make us happy. We all want a job that's going to make money, do some sort of good in the world. We want to work with nice, attractive coworkers who find us really cool and if we can just find that environment we'll be happy but until we do we, it takes a little bit of time to commit and i think we do the same thing in relationships i know i do it's one of the reasons i'm 28 and not married some would say i was just waiting for the right girl um that's one possibility but but some people would say you know you got to get out of the same uh, cycle that you've been in and it was hard for me to commit because i was never sure if a person could fulfill All those needs that I had. See, I've always been really good at being taken by girls. Getting excited by girls. Getting infatuated with girls. That's always been really, really easy. The the harder part has been learning how to stay in a relationship. And society doesn't help much. Movies always... uh, Why do romantic comedies sell so well? They're all about falling in love. The Bachelor, it's so fun because it's all about falling in love. We're never taught how to stay in love. Because that's not nearly as exciting. Rarely do romantic comedies give us a good example of how to be content. For example, my favorite romantic comedy, uh, a movie called Hitch. Okay, I love this movie. I don't know why. Will Smith, he works on so many levels. Rapper, actor, TV, movie, he does everything. Um, But this movie is about this guy. I hope no one was waiting to see this. It came out years ago. This movie is about a guy who's a total ladies' man can get any girl he wants, is always with a girl. And then a couple days later, new girl and, and no girl can like, you know, he's not just going to be with one girl. And then all of a sudden this girl comes along, Ava Mendez, and uh, and they go on three dates. One of them, he's kind of drugged up anyway. And for some reason he falls in love after three dates. And the movie ends when he's just crazy in love with her, but they haven't really done anything. He really doesn't know her that well. And what we're told is that for the rest of their lives, it's going to be super awesome, exciting. They're going to have the same crazy dates on Ellis Island all the time. Uh, and, and that it's always going to be exciting and fun. It's always going to feel good. And so I figured, man, if this is what life is like, I would know I'm in love when I felt crazy awesome, head in the clouds all the time. That was my expectation for what a relationship should be. And I've lived my life like a romantic comedy. So the message of contentment tonight is more for myself than anyone here. I want you to hear that coming from me. Uh, I know that, that what I have looked for is excitement, fun, always feeling good in a relationship. And as soon as it hasn't felt good or exciting or has been different than I expected, I quickly found my way out. Now, this message tonight, I want, I want to back up and say this is this is not a message for you if, if you're thinking that you should stay in a in a bad relationship, an abusive relationship. One that your friends are like, you really need to get out of that relationship. That's an unhealthy relationship. Some of you need to get out of that relationship. And, and this message is not for everybody here tonight, this idea of, of learning how to be content in it. I want to be very, very clear with that, that if, if it's a bad relationship where someone's not treating you the way that, that you know you deserve or your friends know you deserve, uh, please get out of that relationship. That's why we date. It's exploration. It should be fun. You can you can get out of it at any time. But what we are talking about tonight is how to find contentment, happiness, joy in a relationship even when it's not what you thought, even when the feeling of love, that feeling of excitement isn't there all the time, when things start to become different than what you originally expected. That's what we're going to talk about tonight. You with me? All right, here we go. This is going to be fun, okay? Tonight, we're going to look at a guy in the Bible. Okay, we're going to go back in the Old Testament, and we're going to look at a guy named Jeremiah. Jeremiah was a prophet. He came about 600 years before Jesus came down, before Jesus was born. And he was a prophet to the Israelites, uh, to God's chosen people, about the time that they were, they were taken captive and, and moved um, into Babylon. They were taken into exile um, into Babylon. And all these people, millions of Israelites, God's chosen people that thought, hey, we're going to be God's chosen nation, we're going to beat everyone, we're going to be the most powerful nation, and they're taken captive. And all of a sudden, this is not at all what they expected. And what you have here is false prophets, people that are saying, hey, don't worry, don't worry, we're going to be out of here in no time, we're going to be back to Israel we're, we're going to go, we're, it's don't marry anybody here, don't build houses, don't settle down, get ready to leave. This is not what our life is going to look like. And then you have Jeremiah, who God is speaking through, one of the only people that God is speaking through here. And this is the message that God gives through Jeremiah to the Israelites. It comes from Jeremiah 29, there's a pretty famous verse, Jeremiah 29, 11, a lot of people know. We're going to see that in context tonight. We're going to see how that plays in to the Israelites through Jeremiah. So listen to this message that he gives people that are expecting to get out of the country and go home. says, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Increase in numbers there. Seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Yes, this is what the Lord Almighty says. Do not let the prophets among you deceive you. They are prophesying lies to you in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. Much different than their expectation here. Much different. They're thinking they're going to get out of here. All of a sudden, this big change, 70 years, this isn't at all what we expected. Is there still a God that is in control of this situation? And this is what he says. He continues on. He says, for I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. And then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations, and I will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. The circumstances for the people are much, much different than they expected. If not downright disappointing. It didn't look the way that they thought it was going to look. Their expectations were that things were going to be easy, that they weren't going to have to go through any hard times. It was always going to be fun. They quickly get out of there, back to life as they knew it. And when it was different, they questioned whether God was still there, whether he was still in control. But God's promise to them was this. He says, stick it out. I got you. Just because it's different doesn't mean I don't have something for you. In fact, I have something better than what your expectations are. And I believe it's the same way that that we think a lot of times in relationships. It's different than our expectations. It's not exactly what the movies tell us they should always be. Because too often our lofty expectations keep us from seeing what God has for us. Okay, let me tell you something about relationships. Relationships are a lot of fun. First of all, every relationship that we are in, whether it's with a friend, whether it's a romantic relationship, or whether it's a relationship with God, uh, has five stages. Five stages to any relationship. Okay. In fact, this, we could call this the relationship wheel. And tonight, we will. This is a, this is a diagram that, uh, that a mentor of mine that once worked here, uh, first showed me because he noticed quite a pattern in my behavior. But any relationship you are in has five stages. What's the first stage of any relations? Oh, almost, almost. We got stage one, which is, I don't know you, but I, you know, think you're cute and, uh, let, oh, we had one conversation and this is cool. I'm figuring it out. And step one in a relationship is what we call scouting. OK, hey, you're scouting someone out. Let's be honest. You don't know him real well, but you're kind of interested. And you're going, is this somebody that I like? I don't know. But you get to know him a little bit. All of a sudden, wow, this is somebody I like. Uh, we have a lot in common. We both love Thai food. I think that's good enough. Uh, and pretty soon when we figure out we like someone, sometimes it takes a day. Sometimes it takes a month. But we move quickly into stage two, which is infatuation. Infatuation is a fun, fun stage to be in. It is. This is exciting. It's when you're up on the phone till four in the morning. You're like, "Oh my gosh, you hang up first. No, you. Like, I'll talk all night. You know, you're going over there. You don't care that you slept three hours before class. You're, you'll do anything for somebody. You know, they think you're funny all the time. Oh my gosh, I'm the funniest guy ever. You know, well, you'll do anything for somebody. And, and infatuation is really fun. But eventually, you can't stay up till four in the morning anymore. You're like, I. I I can't do this. I mean, infatuation is that early step. It's that fun step where the girl's like, I like to go running. And you're like, I love running too. And it's you're like, oh my gosh, I've never been running before. <laughs> I've done this too. You go and borrow shoes because you don't want to break out new ones, you know, that make it look like it's your first time. And you show up at Green Lake with her and you're like, all right, I'm ready. How long is it around this lake? Like half a mile? She's like, no, we'll run around just a couple times to warm up. And after nine miles, we'll, we'll just be, we'll break a good sweat. You're like, oh my gosh. <laughs> but infatuation, you'll do anything. And then, but at some point it becomes real. I find that the infatuation usually ends in a relationship between about three to six months. This varies. But at some point, this happens in all relationships. Friendships, our relationship with God is the same way. Oftentimes early on, we discover something about God that we're excited about. It's a lot of fun. Oh my gosh, God's here. He's real. He's, uh, you know, he's in my life and, and good things are happening to me. Maybe, uh, you know, we get really infatuated with God. But sooner or later, disappointment sets in and we get to stage three, people will let you down always. At some point, you realize, oh, like, he doesn't actually like to run. He just did that one run, and he was dead. Um, But we hit disappointment. We do this with God as well. If all we believe, if all we're told is that God is going to grant our all our wishes, everything we want, and life is good, pretty soon something bad is still going to happen. People still die. In our lives, friends still leave us, family members uh, we still have a hard time, and pretty soon disappointment sets in if we just think that that God is just an infatuating being. And the same thing happens in romantic relationships. At some point, we hit disappointment. Oftentimes, for me at least, this is where the wheel ended. And I just got out of the relationship of disappointment and worked my way back to scouting. That was about a one-day turnover. Um, I'm just kidding. I hope none of those girls in the pictures are here tonight. Um... (laughs) Okay, but we hit disappointment and we choose to go back or we can choose to to work on our relationship. Realize that somebody isn't perfect. Realize that there's still really, really good things going on, but it takes good communication. It takes working through things, discovering more about the other person. And when we do this, we enter into stage four of a relationship that we have to go through for more good things to happen. And that's resolution. We have to go through that stage to continue on. It's tough. It's It's a hard stage. It's when you realize that person isn't perfect. Uh, but you still work, 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 and it, it does require some hard work. And if we work through that, whether it's a relationship with God, whether it's friends, whether it's a romantic relationship, then we we enter into the fifth um area of this wheel, and that's joy. That's real love. When we go through that early on in a relationship, we always have the tendency, there's the feelings of love. A month in, I'm sure a lot of us in this room have felt in love a month into a relationship. I mean you're you know, you're excited every time you see them. It's It's exciting. That's where we want to say that we're in love. Love, real love. This this comes years down the road sometimes when we've worked through things, discovered who somebody really is, and we find real joy in a relationship. And I believe it's the same thing with God. God is going to disappoint you at times. You're going to go, if he was really my God, he would make everything good happen for me. And if that's what we believe with God, we're always going to move from disappointment, and we're going to get rid of God pretty quick. But when we work through those things and discover who God really is, I believe that that's when we enter into real joy in a relationship, and it's the same thing in a romantic relationship. Okay, now where do we get hung up here? We often get hung up on disappointment. Okay, I want to break down disappointment a little bit because we go, "Why do we get disappointment? Dis- disappoint? Why do we get disappointed in a relationship?" Okay, I actually have a little diagram for us. So, I need two volunteers out there. We're gonna do a little demonstration. One, two. We got two people. Come on up. Okay, this is gonna be, this is gonna be great. Get ready to be embarrassed. Um, okay. So, this is a relationship. Okay? We have Chris and we have Nicole. And Chris and Nicole are in a relationship. Okay? Here we go. Nicole has certain expectations of what a relationship should be. These expectations come from her family. They come from her friends. They come from anything that's had influence in her, other relationships she's been in. But she started to say, my dad cooked for my mom all the time. That's what a guy does in a relationship. He cooks. We have these expectations. And it it, it could be anything. (laughs) All right, you two, we're going to separate you. Okay? Okay, don't go too far now. But but Nicole has certain expectations. Hold that up. And Chris has a certain behavior that he lives out. Okay? Well done. Okay? And um, and in any relationship, okay, Nicole has expectations of what it should look like. And Chris, his behavior is, a, is another way. And early on, we don't notice that there's a gap between these two things because we're so excited to be in this relationship. I mean, he's a good-looking man. Let's be honest. You would be excited to be in a relationship, too. Um. But there's a gap between those. And as we leave infatuation and realize what's really going on, there's, there's a gap that is between these two things. And we have a choice to fill that gap with two things. When things don't work out the way we thought, when Nicole thought, oh, my gosh, Chris only wants to talk to me. I'm the only girl he's interested in. And then she shows up at a, at a party and he's talking to some other girl and she's like, oh, my gosh, what is he doing? Her expectations say, man, maybe if he's talking to another girl, he doesn't care about me at all. Maybe that's what it's saying. And we have the choice every time we see someone's actions to assume the worst, which is what we do sometimes. We see, oh, man, my expectations were this, and this person's behavior was different, so we naturally assume the worst. Or we go the other way, and we believe the best about somebody. And I'll tell you this right now. Okay, studies show a guy named Marcus Buckingham wrote a book, he's called, it's called the, the One Thing You Need to Know. And he looks at these different studies, okay, where, where there's one common denominator. And he looks at relationships, people that married 15, 20, 25 years, and what the one thing is that, that has really held them together. And honestly, he said it was a very, very weird thing that he discovered. The common denominator was, common denominator was people that were happy 15, 20, 25 years into their marriage were people that believed the best about the other person. When the expectation and their behavior didn't match up. And sometimes we're thinking, hey, if I can just get these two things together, if their behavior will just line up with my expectations, everything will be good. You know, I don't need to believe anything. I just want them to do what I think they should do. And that's just saying, hey, I'll love you if you will change your actions, if you'll perform, 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 and and be a certain way. But there's always going to be a gap between these two things. Let's give them a round of applause. Thanks, guys. A couple weeks ago, Valentine's Day. Exciting day if you're in a relationship. If you're not, it kind of sucks. Um, but uh, me and a couple guys on staff I work with, the three of us decided we're going to make dinner for uh, the three ladies that we are currently dating. Uh, big romantic dinner. We got this nice place all lined up. Someone even set the table for us. Another girl came over and said it. Um, but it was so nice, and we're like, hey, 6.30, 6.30, we're going to start at 6.30. Dad, please make a priority. And, and I'm just going to say this, okay? Um, sorry, Rachel. Rachel was about an hour late, okay? <laughs> now, Rachel's not usually late. This was an uh, uncommon thing, but she's about an hour late, and she's calling like, I'm so sorry, I'm stuck in traffic and all this. And, and for some reason, my natural instinct in this case was to go, oh, my gosh, she doesn't care about me. She's an hour late, I stayed up all all day, I cooked this meal, uh, and and my first thought, why is that so funny? I stayed up all day, I know, it's a weird phrase. I use it all the time in normal life. Uh, But my first thought was to assume the worst, was to assume that she was late, because she didn't care, even though I told her, 6.30, be there, she wasn't. And, And her behavior was different than my expectations, so I naturally assumed the worst. Do you want to know what Rachel does for a living? Rachel is a refugee caseworker in Kent with World Relief, okay? She places families that are refugees in refugee camps for 10, 15, 20 years somewhere, come into America, don't speak a language, don't know how to get around, and she has 60 or 90 days to help them get adjusted to life in America and not get taken advantage of by all kinds of people here who would love to take advantage of them. I mean, it's an incredible, a very unselfish job. And that day, she had to stay a little bit late because there were people that needed a very specific thing on that day that, that a lot was going to go wrong if she didn't stay and help out a little bit longer. And she's doing that, and I'm here going, oh, she doesn't care about me. <laughs> I mean, talk about, you know, where the unselfishness comes from. But a lot of times when when those expectations and somebody's behavior don't line up uh, is is where we have a choice. We have a choice every time to believe the best about somebody or to assume that the worst. And one of the most powerful things that we can do to show someone love and respect in a relationship is to believe the best about them. Don't we all want to be in a relationship like that? I'll tell you something about your heart. Your heart is naturally drawn to environments of love and care and comfort. And whatever is in your heart is going to come out with that other person. And that's not something that can just be solved by finding Mr. Right or or Mrs. Right. Sometimes I think if I just find the right person, then that problem won't exist. Their behavior and my expectations will be exactly the same. That's not going to happen. It's a heart issue. It's our own issue. Side note, a lot of us do this with God as well. When 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 the behavior of God is different than our expectations going in, a lot of times that's where we get disappointed, um, and and decide that, that God's not for us. Let me finish with this. Okay, last thing I want to say. Um, Rachel and I over seven months, and I'll say I I love what's going on. I love this relationship. I love her. Things are things are going great about as well as as I could have believed that they would have gone at this point. But we hit a point about two, two and a half months ago before Christmas where we broke up for a little bit. It was about four or five months right in that zone. And uh, she actually uh, broke up with me at the time. I wasn't the greatest guy in the whole world, so by all means, uh, that was perfectly fine. But we were hitting a little bit of a rough patch because she deserved to be treated a lot better. And, and I, I wasn't uh, always treating her that way. And uh, and we just had problems because I was going, man, ah, we're starting to lose that feeling, that excitement. That infatuation. What do I do? And my my natural instinct pulled me back. And and when that happened, a lot of people in my life were like, "You are an idiot. Like, do you realize who you're dating here? Like, get with it. Have you seen her? I mean, come on." And uh and it took a little bit and it took a little time to figure out. Man, what am I doing? What am I doing here? And 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 eventually um. Eventually I had to realize that just because things didn't look always didn't always look like the expectation that I had that didn't mean that was the wrong relationship for me. But it was it was tough to go through. But but after that and and after working through things and going through resolution in a relationship man it's so much fun to come out stronger on the other side. It's kind of a rarity for me. But it's just like Jeremiah. Okay, just like Jeremiah. Is that when he started to become content, he he started to become content when he realized that just because uh, what God had for him wasn't exactly the way that he thought it was going to look. It didn't mean that God didn't exist or that God didn't care about him or that God wasn't there for him. God was still in control. He was still there. And when Jeremiah started to realize that, he really started to live into who God created him to be. And as we start to change our expectations and start to realize that nobody's perfect and start to realize that just because we don't always feel in love all the time doesn't mean it's, it's a, not a good relationship. And that even when someone's actions don't line up with our expectations, that there's still something Good there. And we, and we believe the best and we choose to do that in that case. That is where we really start to find contentment, peace, happiness, even joy in the gift of a relationship that God has given us. Let's pray. God, I thank you for your grace in my life. God, that even as I haven't seen the gifts that you put in front of me, God, that you have been there. Take care of me. And I pray that, that we in this room would realize that. Realize uh, that you are here uh, and with us. And, and that doesn't always look exactly like we thought it would. And in our romantic relationships, they don't always look exactly how we thought they would. But there's still something really good that's going on. And if we'll, we'll step into it. God, that you have some some real, real joy, real true love waiting for us. Um, God, help us out. In your name we pray. Amen.